Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I want to talk to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, one of Paul's letters. And we're going to see the Apostle Paul take something kind of um, daily, small, and open it up into something that I think is really huge. And I want to give you an example to set the context of what the Apostle Paul is saying. So we've always, uh, we've often heard, I think everyone has heard in the past that we shouldn't live above our means. How many have ever heard that before? Can I see your hand? Go ahead, you can raise your hand, yes. What that means is, is don't spend more than comes in every month. Because if, you, if more is going out than is coming in, how many know trouble is coming? Sooner or later, trouble is coming, Amen. Common sense, don't live above your means. Today's text, Paul is actually saying the opposite. Paul is saying, spiritually speaking, don't live below your means. Don't live below what's available to you in God. And last week, Pastor Dave spoke about, about the, the, the story of the prodigal son. But it's, it's two brothers the prodigal son runs off and he, he lives a, a crazy life and then he repents and comes home. But then the Bible ends talking about the prodigal son's brother. And his whole life he's with the father and he never took advantage of all the great things that were available to him being in the father's house. How many know we're in the father's house today and there's so much available to us. Somebody say amen. How many know there's so much available to the people of God? But we have to take advantage of it. Amen? Imagine getting to heaven and hearing from the Lord. I had so much more for you. In a way, that's what today's message is all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was telling them, don't live below your means. Take advantage of everything that Jesus has, been, has made available to you. And, and here's the gist of it. The people in the church... Um, the book of Corinthians, by the way, is a book about church life. It, it is uh, one of the epistles that has kind of the most corrections um, because Paul is kind of like redirecting the church. But the spirit of what he's saying is don't focus on this. Focus on this because if you focus on this, you'll be blessed because you're part of the family of God and the kingdom of God. That's what kind of dominates the whole theme of First uh, Corinthians, of First uh, Corinthians, and I want to pray for a moment. How many are willing to pray this prayer? Lord, help me to take advantage of everything that you have for me. So even before I read the text, just to get our hearts right, our minds right. So many things available to us, but we have to take advantage of them because God's not going to force us. Amen? Amen? And so come on, lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
We thank you for this beautiful day. Yes, it's raining, but this is a beautiful day because you are a good, good God. And you are faithful, and you are wonderful, and you are powerful, oh God. And every day is a day to praise you and glorify you and magnify you and honor you with our lives, oh God. And so, Lord, as we open your word now, we ask your blessing upon our hearts and on our minds. You said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit would say. We want to receive the word today. We want to take advantage, oh God of everything that you have for us. So Father, I pray for everyone in the building. I pray for everyone watching online. I pray that there would be no distractions. I pray that there would be no excuses. I pray for a deep level of hunger and humility to fall upon the next uh, a few moments, Lord Jesus, and that you would have your way with our lives. Do it by your mighty power, in the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So we're going to go ahead and read uh, 1 Corinthians. So by the way, this last, this is almost like the, the conclusion of the entire chapter. Your homework is to go home and read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, um, and just, it's good to go home and revisit what you took in on Sundays. We have a phenomenal app, and the notes are in the app, the slides are in the app. Everybody say, take advantage. Take advantage of all of the great things that are offered to you. So you're going to go home and you're going to read the entire chapter so you'll get the full context. But this is the way the Apostle Paul closes this chapter because here's what was happening immediately. People, there's nothing new under the sun, people were starting to focus on men instead of Jesus. And a certain kind of silly argument started to build up, oh, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, who was another leader, I follow Peter or Cephas, who was another leader, and Paul had to redirect them. It was the same back then, it's the same today. We make way too much of men. How many know we got to focus on Jesus? Somebody say amen, focus on Jesus. I heard Pastor Simbler once said, pastors are overrated and overblamed. And I have certainly experienced that, let me tell you. Don't make too much of leaders and don't put them down too much. We're just human beings trying to do what the Lord has called us to do. Somebody say amen. My sermons can't change you one bit if Jesus doesn't touch you. Nothing. Just a colossal waste of time unless Jesus touches you. And I know that, and you know that, but here it is. This is what I'm supposed to do today. Amen? So, and this is what Paul is actually saying, saying one waters, one sows the seed, but God is what makes things grow. That's the essence of this particular message. But here's how he concludes it. And it really jumped out at me uh, recently. Um, I, I think it's powerful. He says, so let no one boast in men. Don't boast in men. Don't boast in, in pastors. Don't boast in parties. Don't boast in leaders. Don't boast in anyone. Let no one boast in men. He says, for all things are yours. 
huge statement. For all things are yours. He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. Everyone to say, all are mine. I know that that's a huge thing to say. I know that it's like, are you kidding me? Yes, that is what the Bible says, and that is true. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. All things are yours is the title of my message today. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, don't focus on men. Focus on everything that Jesus has provided for you. Don't look at this person or look at that person. Look at Jesus and take advantage of everything that's available to you. In other words, even when you look at men, you need to interpret the role and the purpose that they have been put in your lives. And so what we're going to do is take a few moments to learn from this passage what he means is ours. What does he mean by all things are yours? Everybody, everybody say, all are mine. There's a very specific context that you and I are thinking when you go to bed, when you leave the church, when you wake up tomorrow, you should have this coloring, your thought processes, your heart processes, all of the dynamics of your spirit, your interactions with God and people should be based on all things are yours. Take advantage of it. So here's what he's saying. I'm going to explain this in the next few moments. Here's what he's saying. First of all, he's saying the kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. When he says, for all things, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world are yours, what he's saying is, look, everything that is provided, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, any pastor, any leader, they have not, they've only been put there for your benefit and for your profit. When the Bible says all things are yours is that all of these things are for your benefit and for your profit. So the purpose of the Apostle Paul, the purpose of Peter, the purpose of Al Toledo or Christy Toledo or Tim Arthur or any other leader or the worship, all things, all of this is for your profit. All of them is for you. But you got to take advantage of it. He said all of the leaders are yours. In other words, all, every, this whole building, all the lights are for you. The ministries are for you. We have children's church. It's for the kids. It's for your family. It's for your marriage. The prayer meeting is for you. All things are yours. All of these things that have been provided are for you. But you have to, everyone, take advantage. Take advantage of it. He's like, it's not, it's not whether you prefer Paul or Apollos. Is are you taking advantage of what they're feeding you? Did you take advantage of the worship service today? Did you, did you come here to take advantage of what God is offering? Are you taking, if you're watching online, all things are yours. And here's what he was fundamentally saying. The church is for you. The church is like this network built by God. Listen, 
The church is a network built by God for our profit, and it affords us the key opportunities that every Christian should possess. There are things that God makes available. Okay, our kids, I just spoke to Nathan. So Nathan, stand up for a second. Nathan is 18, correct? 18. He went to breakaway. And you know what he told me? He said, I got the call of God upon my life at breakaway. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These kids are serious about God, and they should be serious about God. And you know what? He doesn't have time to waste, and God has made the kingdom of God available. And if he takes advantage, he's going to hear and follow and be blessed and be useful and powerful. And so, so here's, here's what he's saying. The church and the world and the world and the church, all of it is for you. It's for your benefit, for your purpose. Look, every Christian should have a few, one or two key relationships in the church. You mean, you think that you come here just to kind of put in 50 minutes and then leave and not know anyone? And not be connected to anyone? The body of Christ is supposed to serve itself and encourage. We're, we're here to encourage one another and build each other up. You need people who will speak into your life and pray the word of God over your life and share promises with you. And when you're down, hold you and, 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 and help you and serve you in all kinds of ways. That's the purpose of all the people in this place. Take advantage of it. Do you really have friends in the kingdom? You should. Some people have more friends in the world than in the kingdom. You're not taking advantage of what God has offered to you. Some, some people, they come to church and they're not realizing that this is so specially prepared for you. All things are yours. And there's, a, there's, a, there's something been, that's been prepared for our children. There's something that's been prepared for our youth. Our kids are going to have breakfast, breakfast club uh, next service, and they're going to they're be in another service. The teenagers, these teenagers will go to another service. They're going to two services. Some of us barely go to one. Oh, snap. He said it. All things are yours. Take advantage of it. All of us should have key encounters with God. Why do we have the most important meeting of the week? It's so that you could meet God, so that you could pray for someone else. Why do we have church services? Why do, why do we come here? We came here so you could have a meeting with God. We should have God encounters all the time. A Christian's life should be this collection of moments when they say what Nathan said. Imagine, Nathan says, God spoke to me there. Okay, you see this altar? This altar should be a place where you're like, you see that spot? That spot is where God met me. I cried on that carpet and the Lord spoke to me and he changed my life. All things are yours. We have encounters available if we take advantage of it. I think back. This is, this is like, I think back even before Chris and I were married, okay? You know what changed my life? The prayer meeting changed my life. I had meetings with God in the prayer meeting that pushed me past the world. 
In other words, I grew up in the world. I didn't hear anything. I didn't know anything about church. I, I didn't know anything about Christianity. I had an encounter with God on a baseball field, and I went to a church that had a prayer meeting. And when I went to the prayer meeting, I was like, oh, snap, God is here. And you know what? You can find him. How many know he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me? How many know everyone here can have an encounter with God? No excuses. He's available to all of us. And if you're not having encounters with God, it's because you're not taking advantage of it. You can meet God. And look, so, so look, prayer meeting. I remember, you know what one of the big moments of my life ending up in the ministry was a senior citizen woman who spoke at the church. Her name was Mama Workman. So she spoke and... Um, she was, quote, not, a, not prepared for ministry, didn't go to Bible school, whatever. In her mid to late 50s, she felt called by God to go to Haiti. She went. A lot of people told her don't. She started an orphanage. It was just so powerful. And she got up. She sang a song. I remember the song. And I was in the balcony. And, and when they made an altar call, I didn't even come down. I got, like, down. I was in the balcony. I got down under that pew. And I prayed. And I said, Lord... I'll do whatever. If she could go to Haiti, I'll do whatever. Here I am. Now, they're not even in that building anymore. That building is like a jewel or a, it, no, it's a, some kind of CVS. But I met God there. You know why? Because God wants to meet with us. How many know God wants to meet with his people? Anybody believe that here today? He wants to meet with his people. All things are yours. The truth, the, the, the messages, the, the opportunities, the small groups, all of those things are for your benefit. Take advantage of it. And I'm telling you right now, anyone who will really seek him, you will find him. Oh, that, those kinds of special events are for other people. Baloney! They're for everyone. If you seek him, you'll find him. You will meet the living God. You know, anybody here know the name uh, uh, Damaris Carbal? Damaris Carbal is, is um, a great singer, minister, when I first became a Christian, she was like, I was like kind of in awe of her. You know what I mean? She would minister so powerful, powerfully at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And uh, you've heard her. She's been all over the world. And so one of the, Christy and I were engaged. One of the first times I ever preached, she taught me a lesson. I learned a lesson from Damaris Carbow, but it was a very difficult one. So she taught me this lesson because they asked me to preach and I got up to preach, and honestly, it was terrible. Here's how terrible it was. When the service was over, and Chrissy and I, we had to drive back to Brooklyn Tabernacle. We were still dating. She had the ring on. We sit in the car, and I look at her. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. I was like, no, no, tell me, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. I said, I don't mind. Just tell me. She goes, I know I'm supposed to marry a pastor, but that was terrible. I've told that story before. I was like, oh, snap, this is really bad, Lord. But here's what I learned that day. 
because Damaris Carbaugh was in the front row. You know how Damaris Carbaugh was? She was like this. I mean, literally, she was squatting. Right? This is Damaris Carbaugh. What could I teach Damaris Carbaugh? But I'm speaking, and she's like this. She's going. It reminded me like of a baseball game or something. She was like, she was like, give me something that I could take home with me. She was hungry. She was waiting and waiting the top clock. She, she, I said one thing. She was like, amen. So I said one thing. You know what it showed me? Darmus Carbow. You know why she's anointed? It's because she comes hungry to meet with God. Come on, put your hands together and say, yes, Lord. If you're hungry for God, he'll meet you. He'll meet you in very powerful ways. Every Christian should have key relationships and key encounters. That's Christianity. You know, it's not just head. It's a real heart-to-heart exchange. When you can say, I had this special moment with God. Absolutely. And then when you come to church, you won't watch like this. You'll sing like this, all my life you have been faithful. And you'll be singing it all day. You'll be humming it in the supermarket. You've been so, so good. Because you know what? It's nothing like really experiencing the goodness of God. You can have that experience and that encounter. All are yours. Don't be a sermon connoisseur. You know, some people are like, mm, let me listen to this message. Get some truth for your heart and act on it. Because all are yours. He goes, that's what Paul is for. That's what Apollos is for. It's not for you to debate. It's for you to eat and live. And then lastly, every Christian should have key offerings. Meaning every Christian should have moments of surrender, moments of service, when you say, God, have your way with my life. It's, and I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about this young man put his life on the altar. You understand? He put his life on the altar this past week. When was the last time you put your life on the altar? When was the last time you offered yourself? The Bible says in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. How many know when we surrender, that's when we experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will? All of these things are for you and for us, the kingdom of God and the world, meaning that everything that's going on, good, bad, ugly, you're walking into this world saying, I have the authority of Christ and I'm going to meet God and be used by God and bring glory to God no matter what's going on in this world. All things are yours. That's why all of this is going on. It's not about any person up here. It's actually about you. But take advantage of everyone. Say, take advantage. You gotta take advantage because all of this is for you. And you will stand before God. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Look, you see what I do? He said, My work is gonna be put under fire. You know, what I do, this sermon, one day will be put under fire before God. 
what we do during the week, what the pastors do, it gonna, it's going to be tested by fire. If it stands the test, we'll receive our reward. If not, there will be shame. You know? So, so uh, it, it's, there's such a huge responsibility on leadership. But everybody's going to stand before God and give an account for the words we say, for the things we chose to do. All things are yours for your benefit and for your profit. And it all begins with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is among us. The kingdom of God is inside of us. Secondly, here's what he says. He says, the victory of Christ is yours. The victory of Christ is yours. Where does he say that? He says, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world. That was the first point. Then the second point, he says, or life or death. Or life or death. And he says, look, whether you're alive or whether you're dead, you are in victory. How many know the moment you were born again, there was an entire victory that took place? There, the victory of Christ is ours. The minute you accept Jesus, you're no longer a slave to sin. The devil no longer has authority over your life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And even when you die, death is just crossing over into glory and into eternity. All things are ours. We have victory here and all the way into eternity. The child of God has the victory of Christ. All things are yours. You see? And so you personally should live in victory. But here's the key. It says all are yours and you are Christ's. How do you take advantage of the victory of Christ? Is you yield to Christ. When you're a Christian, you have this victory over life and death, and it's really, really powerful, but here's how it fleshes out. Look at what Romans uh, 6, 4 says. We, there, we were therefore buried with him through baptism. I want to encourage you to get baptized if you haven't been baptized. Baptize, the Bible says repent and be baptized. The baptism, baptism doesn't mean, you don't have to uh, get baptized in order to be saved. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is a blessing to getting baptized, and it is symbolic, but it is a, a blessed symbolism, and look at what it says. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. When you go under the waters, you say the same way Jesus went into the grave, I went into the grave with him. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, we were there with him. He went to the cross. Anybody know that Jesus went to the cross for you? And when Jesus went to the grave, how many know Jesus went to the grave for you? And so when we were baptized, we were baptized into his death, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When he rose from the dead, we rose with him also to newness of life. We have the victory of Christ. Somebody say amen. Say, I believe that. Hallelujah. All these things are for you. And you know, it's, it's funny because this, this type of message is very instructional. And it's instructional in the sense that we don't, we kind of feel like we know these things, but we don't necessarily, we know them in a very superficial way. What Paul was saying is take advantage of it. 
You understand? Take advantage of it. And so we were dead in our sins, and then we get baptized. Christ dies for us. He rises from the dead, and we rise in power. This life is supposed to be the resurrection life. Everybody say resurrection life. That's the life that you should be living. Not the discouraged life, not the broken life, not the downtrodden life, not the bondage life, but the resurrection life. Because we have the victory of Christ. And so what does this mean? Real quickly, your new life should also be marked by a couple of things that I want to put. First of all, your new life means that when you're born again, God gives you a new heart. So how does someone become a Christian? You have an encounter with God where you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and guess what happens? You get a new heart because now Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christianity is about relationship. It's not about religion. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of religions. There are dozens of philosophies with many good things, many helpful things. But what's different is that in Christianity, Christ himself, by his spirit, comes inside of you and he gives you a new heart. You've been born again. So that, so that the things you used to love, you don't love anymore. It's so funny how when you become a Christian, there were things that you did that didn't bother you one bit, and then all of a sudden you start doing it, you're like, oh, I feel so terrible. Why do I feel terrible all the time? It's because you have a new heart. It's because God is redirecting your life. It's because he wants to take you towards the things that glorify him and that will bless you. You understand it's powerful. The second thing that he does is he gives us a new mind, which is why we have to take advantage of the Bible. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some people have a new spirit, but they keep the old mind because they don't read the Bible. Take advantage of the word of God. The word of God will wash and clean and renew the way we think. Hallelujah. It will cleanse us and transform us. New paradigms, new thought patterns, breaking strongholds, things that you used to believe that used to put you in bondage will be broken by the word of God and you will walk in freedom. You won't worry anymore. You won't be angry anymore. You won't be uh, 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 full, of, full of jealousy anymore. He breaks those things, and he gives us a freedom and a light. New heart, new mind, new purpose. I feel like in a, in a pretty simple way, new purpose is one of the key ways that you can judge if all of this is happening. Okay? Are you living with purpose? To fulfill your purpose is to live in victory. Do you have a purpose? I'm gonna, I want to put something up, to, uh, uh, up for you in a moment, but do you have a purpose? Like if I were to ask you, what is your life purpose? What is your mission? Whether you're watching online, whether you're in here, how many know every Christian should have a sense of mission? Jesus had a mission. Paul had a mission. Jesus told the people, the Son of Man, who was the King of Glory, he said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his mission statement, and that's what he lived out. What's your mission? Do you have a sense of purpose? Do you understand? 
Over the years, as a, as, a, as a pastor, I feel like one of the most important things we could do for people is to help them to discover their own sense of purpose. What is the call of God upon your life? We do this with young or old. So look, we've got a, a group of interns right now, teenagers, and we help them to find uh, 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 their sense of mission, praying, reading Bible verses, talking to them. I want to read a couple to you. This is, I'm, I didn't put their names up. I didn't want to put a bunch of pressure. I, we have a girl and two boys. These are, I believe that this first one, could we put the first one up? Look, 13 years old. This is, I believe it's a, it's a girl. This is her mission statement. Her mission is to lead and inspire others to Jesus through how I love and pursue him. Come on, how many know that is a mission? Here's another one. Here's another one. This is an 18-year-old. To commit to excellence, service to others, and faith in Jesus in all my work. That is the best light that he has. How many know this guy's going to go into the workforce and he's going to be a powerful man of God? He, whether it be a businessman, whether it be a, a, a doctor, wherever he goes, he's saying, I'm here to bring glory and bring people to faith no matter what I'm called to do. Could somebody say amen? That is a mission. What's your mission? When was the last time you thought about your mission? It's available. All things are yours. What is the plan of God? He told Paul what he wanted him to do. He told Peter what he wanted him to do. He told Joseph what he wanted him to do. And over and over and over, he told the women, he told the men, he tells the children what he wants them to do. How many know he still today tells people what their purpose is? If we seek him, we will find him, we will hear. I'm assuming it's quiet in here because you're thinking about your purpose. So, here's one more. Here's one more. 17. By the way, I wish I, I've got like 15 of these. I, I wish I could read them to you. Look, I am a fisher of men. I do this by creatively and openly, openly welcoming and encouraging the lost to be found through the love of Jesus Christ. 17 years old, can we put our hands together for this? What's your mission? Maybe you're 56 years old like I am, and when was the last time you sat down and said, Jesus, what is it that you want me to be doing with right now? You know, I had a, a brother, if they could send me one of the musicians, I had a brother say to me, hey, how's this? Try this on for size, he says, hey man, um, I'm praying for you because I know that you're in the fourth quarter. I was like, fourth quarter? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, I don't know when the Lord will take me, but I know this. I want to do more for God than I've ever done. I want to be more led by the Spirit, more full of the Holy Spirit. I want to impart and serve more than ever before. And how many know, if you ask, you will receive. Where are you today? What, what stage of your, your life are you in? What is your mission? Because the victory of Christ is yours. 
And if you're taking advantage of it, it means that you're living on purpose. Are you living on purpose? One of the things that we teach the kids to do is after their mission, if you've taken a becoming group, you've gone through DNA, we teach people to live week by week. Seven days God created the earth. Super practical today, but this is important. Okay? What are you going to do with this coming week? All is yours. The world is yours. Christ is with you. What are you going to do this week? I'll tell you what. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Let me show you. We teach kids to do something called a, a stewardship map. Right? This is one of our 18-year-olds. Okay? Home, cleaning daily. Mom's already praising God, throwing like a parade. Church, free. Go there, talk to people. Uh, talk to new, new person. Help the leaders. Baptism class, next class. Okay, this is a young man thinking about his life. Student, prepare for orientation. Scholarship searching. Study for driving tests. This is life. Okay? Uh, learning, changing, and growing. He's, his mental, emotional, physical, nothing there. Monday, read Kingdom Man uh, uh, daily. This is a book by Tony Evans, a real good book for men. Great book for an 18-year-old. Think of what he could be watching. Think about what he could be filling his mind with. But he's filling himself with Kingdom Man, a book about how to be a man of God. So listen, let me just, let me just ask you a question. Okay, so what if, what if he lives 20, there's 52 weeks in a year. What if 25 weeks of the year he lived life on purpose? What kind of life would he live? What if you live 25 weeks in a year like this? Powerful. How many know 13-year-olds can do it? How many know 25-year-olds uh, 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 can do it? Here's another one. This one is actually... This is a woman of God in our church. Professional. These are, look, this is her, her, her mission to be devoted to God who has called me to live a life of joy, courage, and hope towards a good future in order to help others become all God has called them to be. Okay, we, are, yeah, we doctored some of these. So look, here's her, uh, here's her stewardships. This is her, her, uh, her personal Devo stuff. Matthew chapter 16, she's studying Bible verses uh, from healing study that she's doing. Wife, home, quality time with husband's parents, right? Pack uh, for road trip. They're going on a road trip, right? Road trip with husband. How many of you don't plan time with your spouse? You won't be close to them. Can I encourage you? Take advantage of the person that God has put with you. Enjoy your life with your spouse. Focus on being a blessing. Just because the world has 50%, 70% divorce, it shouldn't be like that in the house of God. We can love each other and pray with each other and serve one another. Come on, clap for marriage because marriage shouldn't, it means something. The world belittles marriage. We exalt marriage between a man and a woman. You see, she's in the marriage ministry. Renewal, walk 30 min minutes, uh, mountain hike, mental, uh, study DNA of a leader, all of these different things. 
admin ministry. What's your upcoming week like? What's your upcoming week like? Because the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, one day she will stand before God. And guess what? Living like this, he's gonna say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't just live for what you feel. Live in the victory of Christ. Live life on purpose. Somebody say amen. Now watch, I got two more real quick. I got two more. Today's super practical. And we're not even gonna make an altar call, we're just gonna pray for ourselves and go. Okay, so I won't keep you long. But look, Ben Struss is a young man who preached here a few weeks ago, who came here as a young man. I, were they married, married when they got here? They weren't married, they got married, uh, became missionaries. Now he pastors a church in Indonesia. Ben sends me as a, as a form of, of uh, accountability and counsel. He sends me his stewardship map every week from Indonesia. I could give him advice, give him some counsel. So, but here's his mission. Okay, look. I am called to be a voice to the nations. God told him that. That's why he picked up with his family. God spoke to him, picks up with his family, moves across the world, goes to the largest Muslim nation in the world and says, we will raise up a lighthouse in this place. Now I'm gonna be bold. He's learned the language he preaches in, whatever the language is. He says, I will advocate on behalf of the 3.2 billion people living with no access to the, go to the gospel. Hold on, I'm gonna take this mic because my, my mic seems to be going out. Can we do that? Is this on? Take advantage of it, yes. Listen, I'm, I will mobilize those in my sphere of influence to make a difference in this world. I will reach those who have never heard. And guess what? That's exactly what he and his wife are doing. So, businessman, a minister, everybody's a minister. The victory of Christ means that we live on purpose. Can I challenge you today? Can I challenge you today? If you're like, but I don't know how to do this. Well, would you get discipled? Would you join a becoming group? Go through DNA of a leader. Get discipled. Get discipled so that you could turn around and disciple someone. Somebody say amen. Amen. Get discipled. Go through a process of learning, changing, and growing so that you could turn around. Who have you discipled in the last? Can I challenge you a little bit? You need to be discipling somebody. Amen. Thank you. Okay, I got one more. I got one more. We're going to close in a minute. You see this? This is my grandson's map, Wesley. So if you talk to my kids and you say stewardship map, they twitch because we had them doing it way back when. So this is Wesley. He's, this was at seven. At seven, body and spirit, workout Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Read Bible every day. Come on, somebody put your hands together and say, yes, Lord. I love this. So water a day, two and a half bottles. Come on, it's taking care. You, you guys don't drink enough water. I just want you to know that. Okay? Listen, son, take trash out. 
How about husbands take trash out? That's a good one. Don't say amen too loud, ladies. All right, let's keep going. Friend, call Elliot. Helper, help at church. Athlete, hitting and throwing practice. You know that's my grandson, right? Jumping jacks a day. We should be teaching our children this. We should be living like this. So much is available if we, everyone, take advantage. Take advantage. I want to encourage you to go home and have a meeting with God if you need one. You should have a meeting every single week of your life. There should be a meeting with God. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time this week? And then I'm going to close very quickly here. You know what he's saying? He's saying, the time is yours. Everyone say, time is mine. Look at what he's, when he says, when he says, the present or the future, all are yours. It means time is yours. What are you doing with your time? He was saying, every day we have opportunities to store up treasures in heaven. Every day we have opportunities to be a blessing to the people in our family, to be a blessing to the people we work with every single day. I'll tell you two quick things and then we'll close. So, you know, my wife really is quite the evangelist. We were in the airport. We've had a rough patch with airports. Do you know we're trying to get to Philly to the prayer meeting? They canceled our flight again after being at the airport like seven and a half hours. I was like, oh. So I was like, oh. I'm waiting. We were, I was sitting waiting to see if they finally would, the plane would take off. And I'm like, where's my wife? So she was like off, going someplace. Then she finally comes back and says, come on, come on. I'm like, what? What? She's like, no, no, you can, come on. You got to go meet someone. And she's like, she went in a bag. She pulled out my card. We walk over. He goes, this lady lives three blocks from our church. I want you to, inter I want you to meet her. And uh, you know what? She's going to come to church. And I talk to the lady and all that. How many know even in delays, you can be impacting and making a difference? Even on, runny, in, on rainy days, you can, you can press through and make a difference. Even in trips to Menards, you can make a difference. Time is yours. And I'll close with this. So about five months ago, one of our pastors, his name is Pastor Jovan, he comes to me. And he says, you know, Pastor, I'm having a hard time. He says, these things, I had a very difficult childhood. These things are coming up super strong. And they're affecting me. And it's just super strong. So we talked, we prayed, and we said, you know what? You need to step down for a while so that you could deal with this trauma from your childhood. And um, you're part of our family. You're part of our church. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to walk through this process with you. And that's what he did. If you were at, one, at the prayer meeting where we prayed over him, he literally announced, I'm stepping down for a while. I literally told the people, he won't be Pastor Jovan. Uh, anymore for a season. He's pastor in our heart, but for a season will be Pastor Jovan here. Comes to prayer meeting. He's on vacation with his wife today. But he comes to prayer meeting, comes to church, serves. Well, five months have gone by. He's been doing the hard work 
of really dealing with his stuff. You have the victory of Christ. Deal with your stuff. He will break the bondage. He will break the fear. He will break the trauma. Anybody believe that Jesus can set us free from trauma? Hallelujah. Five months have gone by. Guess what? Two weeks from now, he's starting back on staff part-time. Could we praise God? Hallelujah. Won't be a pastor yet, but he's coming on. He's got pastor chops. He's got pastor authority, but we'll say, hey, we're going to take this. There's a, there's a proper time and procedure for every matter, the Bible says. And so he's coming back on staff. You know why? Because today is the day to deal with your stuff. The time is yours. The kingdom is yours. The victory is yours, but the time is yours. Today is the day to deal with your stuff. Today is the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to stop being bitter, angry, and frustrated with what happened to me in the past. Today is the day I'm going to lay my heart down and say, God, I need you to start touching me deep. There is a deep touch that sets a man free. There is a deep touch that heals a woman's broken heart, a traumatized heart. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Approach him with faith and he will heal you. He will touch you. The time is now. Now's the time to get free. The time is yours. Imagine one sentence. Think of all that the Apostle Paul said. The time is yours. You've got trauma. Your marriage is jacked up. Stop hiding. Get to God. Get to the people of God. Put your heart and your issues on the throne. And don't settle for the devil's second best. Because it's actually worse. Victory is ours in Jesus. And guess what? He's going to be Pastor Jovan. He'll come back and be Pastor Jovan. Because there's a verse, I want to quote it right. It's in one of the prophets. It says, just came to my mind, I didn't have it in my notes, but it says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because though I fall, I shall arise, and the Lord will be my light. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.